I'm Jack Semlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2018 Strip Till Farmer Podcast Series. Today's program, Preparing for Spring Planting, an on-farm experience, is being brought to you by Topcon Agriculture. If this is your first time tuning in, you can subscribe to this series and get updates on future episodes currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if you prefer another app for listening to podcasts, let us know and we'll look to get it added. Thanks again to TopCon Agriculture for its support of this podcast series. Agronomy Matters and TopCon Agriculture application solutions make it work. From planning to precision machine control, NORAX boom height control, monitoring and mapping, to data management, you have the total set of solutions to maximize your agronomic plan. Find out how to make the most of your 4R nutrient stewardship with precision technology that is unmatched in ease of use. Visit them at topconpositioning.com slash growing solutions. And I'd like to invite you to attend the 5th Annual National Strip Tillage Conference, July 26th and 27th in Iowa City, Iowa. The 2018 event will feature a mix of general sessions, classrooms, and roundtable discussions on topics and trends specific to strip-till. Look for speaker announcements and conference updates at striptillconference.com. Well, despite some early weather setbacks, farmers are gradually getting into the fields this spring to take advantage so far of sporadic planting windows. Wanting to see how things were progressing in the Midwest, I made the trip to Kent, Illinois to spend some time with strip-tiller Seth Wenzel, who was wrapping up spring strip-till and in the early stages of planting corn on his 4,000-acre operation. Seth also operates a precision dealership, Harness Technologies, so there was plenty of activity while I was there. During our tour around this operation, he shared some of his early returns and experiments since adopting strip-till about six years ago from planter modifications to integration of precision technology. In today's Strip-Till Farmer podcast brought to you by TopCon Agriculture, we share excerpts from my on-farm conversation with Seth. So, you mentioned kind of being uh, being right in the thick of things here today. What, uh, what do we got going on today? Uh, we've had very good weather for approximately one week. So we've been putting anhydrous ammonia down nonstop for the last week. And yesterday we got our main planter operational. And today we hope to get our second planter in the field running as well. Today we'll finish up two small fields of anhydrous ammonia. And hopefully from here on out, we will plant many, many acres. <laughs> so maybe give me a little background uh, on your operation here, sure. Seth. Uh, uh, we farm mainly corn, and, well, corn and soybeans. Uh, we stick to a fairly consistent rotation of corn and soybeans. Approximately two-thirds of our acres are corn, approximately one-third is soybeans. Soybeans, we've been no-till farming for many, many years. Mm -hmm. um, corn, we have been strip-tilling for approximately six years now. Prior to that, we were, for corn on corn, we were doing more of a conventional tillage program. Okay. So for us, um, yeah, corn and soybeans, when we first started strip tilling, we started applying strips onto our soybean stubble, and then we would plant directly into the soybean stubble. Whether the strips were laid in the fall or the strips were laid in the spring, we would plant directly into them. Um, that was mainly on the soybean stubble. After a year or two of playing with strip till, 
we started to strip directly into our standing corn stalks from last year and we began doing strip-till corn on corn into last year's standing corn stalks. Kind of baby steps, kind of learning curves because change is difficult, change mm -hmm. is hard. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, but every year we've been doing less and less chisel plowing. I think last year we only took the chisel plow out to do some end rows and maybe some heavily compacted areas, but everything else has been strip-tilled. And so now the goal is to plant directly on those strips. What are some of the things you guys have seen? I mean, you mentioned obviously kind of taking those baby steps. But, sure, uh, sure. You know, there's there's probably some measurable results. Sure. You've seen. The biggest factor for us would be savings on input, savings on labor, uh, iron, manpower. When we first went to strip till, previously we were chisel plowing in the fall. We would do our anhydrous ammonia application in the spring, and then we would field cultivate in the in the spring as well. Mm -hmm. So we were doing three passes on the field. And now once we went to strip-till corn on corn, we're now doing that in a single pass. So for us, one of the biggest savings or factors was manpower, fuel, and labor. There was a learning curve. We had to get our RTK guidance systems operational. We had to get our lines matching up perfectly. So the first year there was some learning curves, getting a, a good RTK service that worked for us and that performed well for us. Once we got our precision ag stuff kind of in line where we want it to be, the guidance stuff has just plain worked ever since then. And when we started strip tilling, uh, we started with a, I'll say, a more economical approach. We bought an older used DB60 bar that had 24 rows worth of red ball units on it. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with red ball, but they are no longer in business. So we bought it used basically for the value of the bar. The row units were fairly worn, but knock on wood, six years later, it still works. It's still operational, still gets the job done. We added a ANH3 Equiply anhydrous system to it for anhydrous application. Right now we're doing only anhydrous in the strip. We are not doing dry fertilizer in the strip. How much anhydrous are you guys putting down? Ah, it's a loaded question. <laughs> 160 pounds on bean stubble, 200 pounds corn on corn. Okay. And then as far as our nitrogen, we're also putting a fair amount down with the planter as well. We were running, uh, what I'd say, a two by zero. We were squirting it out the back, just on top of the soil. And now this year, we're actually running a true two by two fertilizer opener system. Okay. And what's in that starter package? Well, actually, we're running 32% for two by two. And then in furrow, we'll just call it a cocktail, a 103040 cocktail. And we'll we'll play with zinc, we'll play with, with sulfur and different things like that. We don't, we don't have the magic cocktail necessarily. Um, we have found that wherever we don't use the pop-up, we take a yield hit. Mm. So. We're, we're pretty convinced that pop-up starter, three to four gallons per acre has been kind of the sweet spot for us. We've mm -hmm. been very happy with. So yeah, this year, again, we're putting nitrogen down two by two with the 24 row as well. Mm -hmm. Previously, it was two by zero. <laughs> and one of the hurdles with that, it's a high-speed planter, exact emerge, and mm -hmm. the factory John Deere row units were not designed for higher speeds. So mm -hmm. now we've got something we're working with now to try to, try to work with that. So. Sure, sure. One hurdle, back to change, change is hard. So, you know, there's that convention of you have to do things a certain way. And with conventional tillage, you know, the first year or two when we were doing corn on corn strip till, there were places where the crop maybe didn't look the healthiest, but when we actually took it to yield, <laughs> sure, when we actually took it to yield, it did as good or better as our conventional tillage. And there were places where, you know, we took it to yield, you look at the yield monitor, we'd ask each other, well, 
would it have paid to do chisel plowing? Well, no, because the field right next to it, we chisel plowed and we got the same darn yield. Mm -hmm. So again, there was learning curves. I think the first year we might have did 60 acres, corn on corn, strip till, and then every year thereafter, we've slowly added more and more acres to do strip till. As far as technology we're using, we are using uh, primarily Ag Leader Precision Ag Equipment for okay. guidance, Ag Leader Equipment for product control. Everything is unlocked to RTK. We are using Digifarm Correctional Services for our, our correctional service. We are we're spread out over a large geographical area farming-wise, and so we needed a, a solution for RTK that could, you know, spread over large acres mm -hmm. over large large area. So for us, Digifarm's kind of worked out mm -hmm. for us. So hopefully I don't sound like a salesman anyway. <laughs> well, uh, I know you wear a couple of hats. Correct, but, uh, and as, as you may know, I do sell and service Digifarm as well mm -hmm. as Ag Leader, so I don't wanna, I don't wanna go off the bandwagon and just <laughs> sell, 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 because that's not my goal. So one thing that's pretty noticeable here, Seth, is you got a, a pretty you know, rainbow-colored co uh, operation here. Correct, we've been historically growing up, my father was heavy on red equipment, Case mm -hmm. IH, and then over the years, the Case IH dealers in our local area geographically got farther and farther away, and over time, the, the local John Deere dealers started providing good service in the area. Uh, and near us, uh, within, a, I'd say, a 30-mile radius, there's three John Deere dealerships, mm -hmm. all of which provide very good service. And between those three, any one of them gives us parts within a day. So we've gravitated towards John Deere strictly from the fact of local service and local parts availability. The Kinsey planters, we've been very happy with. We've had Kinsey's for years. But yes, we are, I, I guess you could say, a rainbow-colored farm in a nutshell. But in the last 10 years, we've been mostly John Deere. But mm -hmm. then a year ago, the, the Case IH road track showed up. We were trying to try something different. Have you guys found, uh, you know, from a compatibility standpoint, any issues? Uh... Um, to some extent, yes. So mm -hmm. right now, our John Deere Exact Emerge planter we can run that only with a John Deere display. We, Ag Leader does not have compatibility to run an exact emerge planner. So mm -hmm. this tractor actually has a John Deere GS3 in it. It has an Ag Leader in command in it used for steering and product control. And then finally, it has a factory equipped Pro 700 in it. So lots of displays. We'll get back to my conversation with Seth shortly, but I wanted to once again thank our sponsor, Topcon Agriculture, for making this podcast series possible, and also welcome in Jared Oaks, North American Customer Support Manager, with a few words on some of their intersection with strip-till and some of its newest developments. I mean, Topcon Agriculture understands the challenges for a strip-tiller. And, and what they face day to day. All the dynamics that come into play in a strip-till operation, very time sensitive, soil conditions. It's really a system that has to be well thought out from the beginning to the end. We've made some great changes in some of our offerings. Our Apollo ECU is a very rugged, proven implement ECU that's been on the market for several years. It's a very powerful ECU that would allow a strip-till operator to get everything that they needed out of one common platform from one common vendor. So the big benefit of that would just be a simplicity of operation, of course. So if they were uh, putting in hydrous or dry or both, possibly even liquid or various types of liquid, that ECU is going to be able to handle all of those things even if they have multiple prescription layers coming into those systems uh, or flat rates and prescriptions or combinations and display that in a simple 
easy to understand mode for the operator to make decisions as he or she goes through the strip till operation. Strip tilling is is a complex operation just by the pure nature of it. There's so many dynamics from the depth of the product being applied to the width of the band to the density of the ridge that's developed for what region they're in or, or what if that's a fall applied or spring applied. There's just there's almost a complexity about it that we find that our, our agricultural technology products, it's just a natural fit. They have, they have a need, they have a complex operation that they need to obviously monitor by eye a, a lot. They really need to focus on that implement and not the things like steering and product application control or, or even turning with some of our new auto turning features we're releasing. They can focus on the operation of the machine and make sure that the end results at the end of the day is what, the, what they want. It's just a natural fit. Those strip tillers really seem to embrace that technology. They're early adopters and they really stick with uh, the platform that's going to give them the most reliability and simplicity operation. Thanks Jared and again to TopCon. Let's get back to the program now and hear more from my visit with Seth Wenzel. Time to go look at the strip sure, till? Sure, absolutely. We are using, and you can see, I mean, I don't know how techy you want to get or geeky you want sure. to get, Surefire Ag system for in-furrow and also Surefire Ag for the 2x2. Two two. Mm -hmm. Puts down consistent product for us. Doesn't matter if we're going five mile an hour or 10. It's been consistent for us since day one. And this is third year of operation and that thing is run flawless. And as far as the planter, again, back to knocking on wood, other than taking out the brushes every year, I don't know if you've ever seen the inside of one of these, there's the, the brush assembly. I'm sure get the action shot now. <laughs> other than taking out, oh, other than taking this guy out every year, there's like zero maintenance on this thing. Clean it when you're done, grease a few zerks, and it does a phenomenal job without without any major overhaul, any major maintenance, no chains, no oiling, it's just, it works. So we've been very happy overall with this setup. And like I said, other than that adjustment to the lead coulter, it's still factory, everything factory DMI, factory case IH. Okay, okay. Um, there's no modifications to it whatsoever. Gotcha. And then the 24 is the red ball? Correct, that is correct, yep. Okay. You don't have to spend a ton of money to get into strip till. You don't have to go out and spend you know, two thousand, three thousand dollars per row plus a brand new bar to get going. I think this this red case IH bar, we bought it used from another farmer. It was missing the ag leader controls on it, but I want to say it was like twelve thousand five hundred dollars for a complete field ready strip till system. Now I understand to, to do strip till properly there's concerns about <coughs> guidance and RTK and there's an expense there, I understand, but you don't have to go out and get a huge loan to get started with strip till. And I think some people get a little sticker shock when they're like, oh, let's go out and they get a they get a quote for brand new row units, they get a quote for a brand new bar, and they're like, well, geez, how can I justify this? Well, you don't have to go buy brand new. And both of our bars are kind of proof of that. And for us, back to the application and nitrogen, we were at the point with our local elevator, we were renting bars from them, paying a certain dollar amount per acre to rent a bar. Well, when you'd rent from the co-op, you'd always get a different bar. It was never set up the way you wanted. 
And finally, it's like, well, if we take that money and we put it into our strip till bar, we're going to pay for our bar ourselves in a couple of years anyway. Mm -hmm. So back to cash flow, yes, there was the investment of the equipment, but we were already paying someone to rent a bar. <laughs> so for us, it's like, take that rental money and put it towards our own asset. Do you recall what kind of uh, initial investment you guys made or, or what you guys were paying to rent that bar? Uh, I do not off the top of my head. Sure. I do not know. I do know, I mean, roughly, uh, there's our DB60 bar with the red ball units. Again, it was a used bar. It needed a little work, but it was like $60,000 complete. And then we added the A&H3 Equiply system to that. Uh, that was approximately $25,000 as well. So, again, two very large investments, I will admit. But looking backwards, we were already paying to rent a bar or paying someone to do the custom map anyway. So, you know, fast forward uh, in six years, I think we've easily paid for our equipment, not, not including the yield advantages that we're seeing and not including the fuel savings and the labor savings we've seen. We've, you know, again, six years worth. And I, I would argue we've easily paid for the bar and then some. Can you walk me through or maybe quantify any of those uh the, the yield gains or the, the fuel savings that you guys um, have been able to see, uh, you know, estimates or, or just kind of... I mean, of the, the fuel savings are simply not having to chisel plow. Right. <laughs> I mean, you can you can take any number you want. I mean, easily if you take an Iowa State custom rate number of, let's just say, $30 an acre mm -hmm. to, to chisel plow. Well, if we're not going to chisel plow, that's we're saving $30 an acre. And we're not going to field cultivate. Maybe Iowa State's at $15 an acre, mm -hmm. maybe. I don't know. That's just rough numbers. Sure. We still were going to do the anhydrous application anyway, so we're still going to have a tractor pulling a bar, pulling that tank anyway. So that that pass we still have to pay for somehow. Mm -hmm. So roughly we're saving $45 an acre. You know, 30 on the chisel plow, 15 on the field cultivator. So without any yield advantage, without any yield factoring in, it's like 45 bucks an acre right there. Mm -hmm. So. So when you're talking yield, I mean coming from uh, you know more of the conventional side, uh, what have you guys seen with strip till? Initially, it was kind of like break-even yield. We were getting as much yield with, with conventional tillage as we were with strip till, but now it seems like we're starting to see a little bit of a yield advantage in places. On, on the low end, anywhere from 5 to 10 bushels advantage. On the high end, 15 to 20 bushels per adva advantage on the corn on corn. So the biggest factor for us when we started strip tilling into our soybean stubble, it was you know, wherever we didn't plant into the strip, it was like hands down 10, 15 bushel spread right away. And we're like, holy cow, we will strip till on our bean stubble every single acre. Uh, and again, we were already making the anhydrous pass in our bean stubble. So it's like, well, we're already paying a guy to do it. Let's mm -hmm. just be more precise of where we put the product and let's be more precise of where we put our seed. Hmm. Might if I ask, what, what do you guys typically average with your strip tilled corn? Um, every year is different. And last year, I mean, I hate to say our best year ever, but in cert certain farms, even, even in fields that were flooded, um, 240 to 250 bushels per acre of corn in places that have never grown corn like that. <laughs> but then the other factors in our, I don't say our poor performing farms that were historically 175 to 180 bushels, they're now able to produce consistently 200 bushels to 205 bushels where in the past they never could. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I know we can argue genetics and seed, and yes, the seed is getting better, but there's still places where we maybe not, we're not planting on the strip as we should, and you do the side-by-side, -side and it's like, you know, on the bean stubble alone in those marginal fields, it's, it's an easy 10 to 15 bushel kick on the marginal soils, so. And this field, I should, I should share with you, we, uh, 
I can send you photos later, but we sure. have one field not here, it's farther to the east where historically the, the previous owner had put grass back terraces back in the 30s or 40s or something, but there was no there was no pattern to them, there was no consistent width. We were always farming it the best we could, but we went to strip till, there was no way we could manage it. So we removed the terraces and we basically straightened the field. We cut it a nice straight angle, farming it like it should be farmed. Um, and now it's, you know, I wouldn't say overnight, but after doing all that work and going to true strip till without having to go through these grass back terraces, easily 10 to 15% increases in yields as opposed to having to go through these grass back terraces and as far as planting on the strip. So I don't know, I always think it's interesting looking at how we used to plant this field because it's like these awful grass back terraces that really serve no purposes. It was like, right. a, it was like a bee slope farm. It never, <laughs> it was not highly erodible at all. And we were constantly weaving in and out of this piece of crap. And then again, we got approval in RCS. They're like, yeah, there's no contract. There's no, it's not highly erodible. Sure, you can take, take those terraces out. And we removed the terraces. We actually started to plant on the strip and it was like, wow. It's a very diverse, I mean, there's some heavy river bottoms, but then there's some marginal rockier mountaintop dirt as well. Now these would probably, I would not call these our best strips um, because this particular farm, it's a terraced farm and it's a little tricky to hit the strips. And then the other thing we're playing with was strip till. I'm not convinced there's a yield advantage yet just because I haven't seen it yet, but since we're doing everything with RTK, our corn rows are nice and straight. We're actually planting our soybeans between last year's corn rows. So we're putting our 15 inch strips right between last year's corn stalks. Huh. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been able to see a true yield advantage versus going at an angle, but. I know, yeah, that's some guy, I've heard of some guys trying that and. It it makes you feel good, it looks yeah, pretty. It looks yeah, pretty, it, right. but I, we I haven't really that. seen a true yield advantage yet, which is like, well, in theory, <laughs> the seed's not restricted by having to go through a root ball mass of corn stalks. So it should have a better chance to emerge. But again, yield-wise, we haven't really seen a true yield advantage yet. So again, it looks pretty. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Seth, for letting me spend some time on your farm this spring, learning more about your strip-till system. Again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Topcon Agriculture, for helping make this strip-till farmer podcast series possible. I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. You can also keep up on the latest strip-till practices impacting your farm today by registering online at striptillfarmer.com for our free Strip-Till Strategies daily e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Striptill F-A-R-M-R, and on our Striptill Farmer Facebook page. And I'd like to once again invite you to join us at the 5th Annual National Strip Tillage Conference, July 26th and 27th in Iowa City, Iowa. The 2018 event will feature a mix of general sessions, classrooms, and roundtable discussions on topics and trends specific to strip till. Look for speaker announcements and conference updates at striptillconference.com. Well, I hope that you'll join us again on June 1st for the next episode in our 2018 podcast series and a reminder that you can still register to receive our Strip-Till Farmer print publication at striptillfarmer.com. For Seth Wenzel, Topcon Agriculture, and our entire staff here at Strip-Till Farmer, I'm Jack Semlicka. Thanks for listening. <music>